and then I mean the weasel. I guess they got they got their money's worth from the weasel joke if you count the the credits. <laughs> Which I mean, that all of the stuff with him killed me. Like you know, I expected them to die. I didn't expect him to drown. drown. That was, that, that, was, that was really good. <laughs> Did anyone think to ask if the weasel could swim? He, he's a, he's a good guy. Well, he's not a good guy. He killed twenty seven children. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Idiot Block, a comedic podcast critiquing, discussing, and analyzing the media industry through reviews, debates, and historical deep dives. Hello, everyone. I'm David Janish. Welcome to another, another episode of Idiot Plot. Today, we haven't really talked about stuff we've watched recently, or even like new stuff that, that that's come out. We've been talking about like more more bigger ideas and more single focus episodes. So we're going to spend a lot today talking about stuff we've seen recently, stuff that's come out recently, with a with a big emphasis on James Gunn's The Suicide Squad or The Suicide Squad, depending on how pretentious you are. Um, joining me today are. Alex Ovidal and Justin Neitzel. So smart me. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. We're talking about Suicide Squad, which is one of the biggest films Warner Bros. this year. King Shark, who they're quoting, probably steals the show. The but God. before that, we're just gonna kind of quickly run down some stuff we've seen recently that we want to talk about, but really haven't had a chance to because of other episodes, other stuff that has gotten away pretty behind before these things become too irrelevant. We're, we're going to talk, talk, talk about them pretty quickly. Um, to start us off, I want to talk about this because in some circles, this is one of the most controversial TV shows on right now. And to other people, they, they don't know anything about it and don't really know what's going on or why people care. Like me. I got <laughs> Blissfully unaware. Yeah, and that's Kevin Smith's Netflix anime series, Masters of the Universe Revelation, is a continuation of the 1980s He-Man Master of the University TV show. Um, To some people, probably think He-Man, why is that such a big deal? Well, it's not necessarily the show itself that is causing the problems, it's what's leading up to it. Kevin Smith unfortunately had some of the show got leaked, a guy who watched it uh, told some people, hey, you, you YouTube channel and they tweeted out the the, the plot of the show that or what they heard the plot of the show was and he freaked out and said no it's not the plot that's a little crap you know it it's it's true he man basically basically they were saying that he man wasn't the main character the main character was going to be Tila um and a bunch of other stuff they, they, like, like like this is not the show that you think it is Kevin Smith is lying to you and he said no they're lying the show is exactly what I said no Kevin Smith turned out to, to, to be lying the whole time um people were really pissed because they were told they're, they're gonna get a he-man show the first trailer was great he-man show amazing trailer amazing voice cast lena hetty mark hamill skeletor liam cunningham as man at arms like it was going to like it looked like it was gonna be this big thing but fans have been super pissed by the fact that kevin smith has been lying about everything and they feel super cheated and this show has become another battleground in the war between fans and creators but me and justin have watched the show we have different opinions uh for once as alex would say <laughs> um justin uh how, how about you start us i i talked for enough what what, what were your thoughts on master of the universe revelation well it's not 
I didn't hate it, hate it, but this felt like something that probably should have been like, say like a season three kind of plot line. Because, I mean, do we want to get into spoilers here? Yeah, 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 we yes. can do spoilers. So, so, so spoil, spoilers from there. So basically, spoiler alert for He-Man. Basically, you get um, He-Man dies in the first episode and it basically becomes the Tila show, which yeah. I, I had no problem with, but I was like, you're kind of expecting from the trailers they tried to market He-Man in as much as they could. Yeah, the first trailer was almost entirely footage from that episode. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't say I hated it, but it was just like I was uninterested. Like, all the interesting characters from the original show, other than Tila, they basically sideline. You don't get Battle Cat anymore. Man of Arms is off sulking. And all the, all the characters do is complain the entire show and i'm like i don't know That's about as much as i have to say about it and i mean most of the voice cast was like you said pretty good i didn't care much for sarah michelle geller as tila it just didn't seem to fit she can't voice act very well but i mean everyone else i thought was casted pretty spot on i mean i can't complain too much i wasn't the biggest he-man fan i watched more thundercats than this so <laughs> That's a question I had with the controversy of this show was when did people unironically like He-Man? Like, our generation loves He-Man because of the fabulous Secret Powers you YouTube video where, where, where he sings what's going on. Or Robot Chicken making fun of yeah, it. Yeah, or Robot Chicken, but like, the actual show is terrible. It's a horrible TV show. Um, it was funny. But it wasn't supposed to be funny. <laughs> yeah, it was funny <laughs> on the, ironically. It did lead to the Arguably the greatest video in the history of the internet. Yeah, which is the which is the Vampire Secret Powers one. The hey, 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 hey. great video. But this show, like, I thought it was super fun. I had no expectations for it because I wasn't a He-Man fan. I basically watched it because of the controversy and I wanted to see what all the hus the whole hubbub was about. But like, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time. The the, the, the first episode was absolutely fantastic. Uh, this is a, this is part one. I, I really like the, the the cliffhanger. It, it ends on. Um, and the action scenes throughout are are really really fun. It's a beautiful show. The animation is gorgeous. Oh yeah, it's beautiful animation. It's a ton of fun, but I, I understand why fans are pissed. I guess for me, just lied to. For me, for me, I guess a lot of the show is just it does like it doesn't seem to want to make sense. Like the first episode, Skeletor breaks in the Castle Grayskull basically by tricking the sorceress with an illusion. Like really, she fell for something. Think that's stupid. Well, if Kevin Smith was honest about what the show was, I don't think the backlash would be as big as it is. I mean, critics loved it, which they're they're going which they're going to. Um, but again, fans were promised fan service, especially after that She-Ra show it had nothing to do with actual old school She-Ra. I think they were excited to get old school He-Man, and they did for like 15 minutes, and and then the rest of the show took place, which has very much none. Nothing to do with anything he meant, really, really did. Mm -hmm. Or any but other was, original characters. I mean, really, the way that I will say this, that I will make the most sense to, to Alex, who has no interest and no knowledge of any of this. And this show is the last Jedi of He-Man. It, it exists solely to subvert expectations and fuck with fans. Basically. Like, like, like it was meant to see, see, you want this, I'm going to give you this. And I don't understand why fan service is such a dirty word. It can be bad, but I don't see what's wrong with giving people what they actually want every now and again. Well, I mean, 
or at least you don't have to give them full fan service, but you could at least sprinkle it in there. But it's like they only got for like 15 minutes. Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, the next four episodes, we're just going to follow these characters and they're bitching about the characters that are dead. And uh, all, all, they're, they're complaining about the characters that you want to see, like Mark Hamill, Skeletor, who is awesome. Like, uh, like really everyone but the leads does a good job voice acting because like Skeletor, Mark Hamill, of course, is great. Lena Headey's great. Great Finn Newman as Orko is hilarious. Yeah, he was. Uh, actually, it was really good. The guy they got to do Cringer, I thought was actually really good too. Yeah, Stephen Root. Stephen Root's great in everything. Kevin Conroy as Merman. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> all all the actual voice actors do 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 a great job. It's when you have people like Sarah Sir Michelle Geller who who don't act. Um, this is from the studio that, that did the Castlevania show, which is a much better show, and I highly recommend that people watch that instead. It probably might have one of the best pilots of any animated show ever made. So, so I do highly recommend that show also on Netflix. Uh, but Justin, do you have anything further to say on Tila and the Masters of the Universe Revelation? I mean, I, I think I'll check out the second half just to see what where they planned on everything to go. I, I don't think anything's going to change in my opinion on liking it or not. But I feel like season two might save it if season two is really good. But we know dang well that was named Andra. Tila's implied girlfriend is probably going to be the next He-Man. Especially with that interview Tiffany Smith put out. Yeah, so so that's probably where they're going with it, which is again is going to make people angry. I don't think because woman's He-Man. I think it's mostly because again they they were lied to and said that He-Man was going to be He-Man. Like I said, but if, if this was like a season three kind of plotline, I don't think anyone would care. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people probably wouldn't like it, but at least they would have like the first two seasons of what they actually wanted. Alex, why don't you continue this this discussion with with a pick? Well, I guess mine, you know, we've talked about the more recent releases that I've seen, so I'm going to go back to a classic I somehow didn't watch for a very, very long time that you've also bugged me to watch, and my family has bugged me to watch. Oh, oh, hell yeah. yeah you know where I'm going. Air Plane. Yeah. The 1980 comedy film. I finally watched it and it absolutely lived up to the hype. It's hysterical. I mean, I well, always love Leslie Nelson in anything, but even before he shows up, I mean, it's just like Naked Gun. It's like just great joke after great joke. He plays a great straight man. Yeah, like the best straight, like ever. <laughs> We're all counting on you. I am serious. So, I mean, Don't I, call I, me I Shirley. And so many quotes, so, so many great moments. And it's like, you know, it's not just the the quotes and the dialogue moments. It's the, the visual moments, the big jokes, the small jokes. Everything lands. Yeah, Airplane's fantastic. I mean, I understand your reason for not seeing it until now. And I also understand your reason for seeing it now. Um, even, even though I wish you had saw it earlier because like it's one of the all time classics. It's it's super influential to like it's just not only is it a good movie, it basically defined the genre for about a decade or two mm-hmm. where we got into like it brought back slapstick at like an epic scale and was I think it was one of the first like epic comedies. The only problem is yeah, it's so it good. Like the, whole, the epic disaster genre it just completely took to to task. The only problem with it is it's so good that 
it makes all other parody movies shit in comparison, basically. Except maybe Naked Gun. Yeah, that's my. I. I it's fr- probably not even that spicy, but like because they're both amazing. But I do slightly prefer Naked Gun because that movie literally does not stop. Like the jokes never stop. It's just constantly coming at you, and it's so hilarious. Like you can make an equal argument for either film. I think. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, and there's something charming about with with Naked Gun and Airplane Do Right is it is they make really super charming enjoyable characters out of what are essentially caricatures mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's really bizarre that that the Zucker I think I think Zucker Zucker and Abrams were were able to make you care about people that weren't really meant to be people like Frank Drebin or the pilot played by Robert Hayes in Airplane like like they're parodies of movie tropes from the time yet they're also endearing characters it's actually like kind of kudos to their talent as writers. Jonathan Banks yeah. is in this movie. Who? A uh, guy from Breaking Bad. The yeah, he played a lot of random like henchmen or like those types of characters. No, no, but but who was it? I missed the name. Jonathan Banks. Oh yeah. What, what, which one was he in? Was he in Airplane or Naked Gun? Airplane. Wow. It's always funny when you see him pop up in random stuff all of a sudden. <laughs> Well, one of the things I noticed, like, especially, like, during Naked Gun, like you said, not just with the characters, but, like, the plot's actually working. Like, the scene where he loses the the really expensive pen in the, the fish tank. So you're, like, <laughs> watching this hilarious bit while it's giving you super vital plot information. So, like, they're, like, disposing the exposition they need to get out while this hilarious scene is going on. And, like, it's actually, like, good stuff. And I'm like, wow, they're doing so much in this scene. <laughs> Well, it's like the same in the airplane where they're like, he's like, oh, these are all the symptoms of food poisoning or whatever they, the <laughs> diseases or the captain just like going through all of them. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> well, and then you have the Krim Abdul-Jabbar scene, which is one of the funniest parts of the movie. <laughs> One that makes me laugh out loud really hard is um, the little boy bringing the little girl some coffee. He's like, how do you like your coffee? Yeah. She's like, like my man, oh, man. black. <laughs> I speak jive. <laughs> I mean, some of, some, of, some, of, some of those jokes you really can't do now. No. Actually, I, w- I watched this movie, so... The first time I watched this movie, it was on Comedy Central, edited. Oh, that must suck. Well, no, it was fine when you were when you were a kid. I, I, I was like 10, 10. Uh, when I was about 12 years old, or a little bit older probably, I was at my grandparents' house for the day, and, and this was on their on-demand through Turner Classic Movies. So I'm watching this with my grandparents, and I'm like 12, 13. <laughs> and yeah. the scene where it's just it just cuts to a scene of a naked woman <laughs> jumping up and down right in front of the camera. <laughs> comes on screen. Yeah, it's always... I had lots of explaining to do at that moment. That's... That, that always... The like, most best movies you watch, then the most awkward scene comes on. on that's when that's someone walks in the room. <laughs> this movie was like PG, so I, I was not expecting that. Like, a PG movie that, that I saw on TV, I wasn't expecting just straight up full frontal. <laughs> But the, but the joke works, though. It was amazing. Is I, I actually saw this movie after the first Star Wars Family Guy special. It's amazing how much jokes they took from this. So I already knew some of them. Well, there's so many good jokes. Like, you can't even, like, name them all. Like, autopilot is fucking hilarious. <laughs> when, he, um. when he deflates. <laughs> Um, uh, Leslie, uh, Nielsen keeps walking in as the plane's like, I just want to let you know, you're our only hope. <laughs> and walks and out. And Leon's getting larger. 
um, when the w- woman gets hysterical on the plane, and then all of a sudden people all start beating her up and just pan over this long line, just waiting to beat the shit out of her. Get all yourself. Get all yourself. God, it's such a good movie. Is it this like also the first movie that has a like the first post credit scene? It might be. Like, uh, oh, this has a post credit scene. Yes, if you stay all the way to the end of the credits, the because he the was the main guy. I forget he was a taxi driver. He pull, he leaves the guy. Oh right, yeah. He turn, flips the thing. Well, it comes at the end, and it comes back to the guy. And he's like, he looks at his watch. He's like, oh, okay, I'll give him five more minutes before I get out. <laughs> I also have to give credit to Elmer Bernstein's soundtrack, and just how over the top it is. Like it understands what what the, what this movie is. We just with the big epic. Epic shit and all the it, it helps joke because let me get gun airplane takes things seriously. He plays every joke straight and it makes it funnier. Yeah, like Naked Gun has like the super jazzy noir <laughs> score. Like I was thinking of that when you mentioned the score for this one, like just the the classic jazzy music in uh, Naked Gun. The fact, it opens up with a Jaws reference is fun <laughs> with the tail fin of a plane. <laughs> Like, like, like this movie. If you haven't seen Airplane, do yourself a favor and go see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's a must-watch. It might ruin a lot of other comedies for you because basically, is the comedy like where all other comedies kind of came from. But like, the, 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 this defines the word classic. But it, you know, like you say though, it plays every joke straight. Not a lot of comedies do that anymore. No, like you have like the Adam Sandler's where you basically know when a, when a, when a, when a joke is coming because like he's like oops oops. <laughs> and just a stupid voice and shit. Oopsie poopsies. Oopsie poopsie, I knocked you over. <laughs> Or yeah, no, they just like everyone like screaming. Yeah, I mean, like they they play it so over the top that you know it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? Where everybody's just like screaming and like there's all this noise. Like, yeah, I, I get it. I'm supposed to be laughing. Well, like this movie is like like even the small jokes, like when they're going cra- gonna crash or whatever, and like all of a sudden they land and everyone's just like looking and like they're still waiting for like the seatbelt sign to turn off so they can get up and get all their shit. <laughs> Like, you guys were just being thrown around in the cabin just not too long ago, and now also you're like, okay, can you get, undo the lights so we can get our shit and get off this plane? Yeah, yeah, yeah those jokes work. Like, it, it understands it understands that its audience isn't stupid. Mm. And the audience can, can pick up on things and enjoy things. It, it doesn't have to have every joke hold its hand. Or we don't need someone reacting to a joke. Be like, oh... <laughs> Yeah, like, well, yeah, people basically tell, t- telling you you were supposed to laugh at that. So, yeah, that's a good, it's a, it's a solid pick. I have to thank whoever, whoever it was that made you watch that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I mean, Justin, you got something? Yes, I finally got around to watching a documentary I've heard nothing but great things, and that's Three Identical Strangers. What the hell are you talking What Documentary, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, go ahead. Don't do that here. Well, basically, this is about a a documentary following basically three uh, brothers who were separated at birth. I've heard of this. Yep. So... Two, one of them went to this college and then he wasn't coming back the next year but his, one of his triplets went to the college the next year and he's walking around campus and everyone's saying hi to him and knows him and saying I thought you weren't coming back and then all of a sudden he gets to his dorm room and some other guy who was friends with his brother shows up and's like you're not him I know he he said he wasn't coming back I know he's not coming back so who are you 
So basically, then all of a sudden, he goes and drives down. He, This guy takes him to a phone booth. They call the other guy. Like, you're not going to believe it. They drive down, and all of a sudden, it becomes big news and everything. So then they go get published in the paper and are on TV and everything. And then a third guy will open. All of a sudden, his friends show him, like, a paper or TV. You know, like, we just found two people that look exactly like you. And all of a sudden, they get together. They start bonding. Um, they notice they have a lot of similarities between each all three of them. And then all of a sudden, it's all cool and everything. They go on late night shows and everything. And also, this thing takes a very dark turn where they start to uncover why they were separated and basically don't don't don't, don't spoil it okay because i'm actually watch this so please don't spoil it I'm, okay i'm actually want to watch this yeah this this was very very interesting where can you find it it's on hulu oh <laughs> well shucks <laughs> r.i.p david <laughs> but yeah it was a very interesting i'm glad i finally watched it the only thing that i did not like about this was Maybe there's a half hour left in it, and all of a sudden, the I think it's probably the director who's asking the questions. All of a sudden, inserts himself and his voice into it, asking a question. I'm like, don't do that. Oh, I hate that. I Nothing hate takes filmmakers... you more out of a documentary than all of a sudden, and you can barely hear what he's asking. I had to turn it up so I could hear what he was asking. It was just, it took me out of it. The only documentary I've seen where the person getting involved in the film itself works is tickled. That's because David Ferrier, the guy who did it, is such a charming dude that it's impossible not to like him but usually i usually i, I hate it, it's distracting yeah it, and it i i have no there's served no purpose other than him just putting his own voice in there i was like you did not need to do that i mean i love a good crazy documentary shit like tickled um class action park mcmillions I'm going to check this out. Alex won't because it's a documentary. He, he probably checked out as soon as he heard that word. <laughs> it sounds interesting. You know you know me, though. He, he'll watch the dramatic adaptation of it. Yep. I always love a good <laughs> documentary, so. I, I have to be in the right mood for documentaries. Yes, same here. But I, I was just kind of going through Hulu, and all of a sudden I came across it, and I'm like, you know, I've wanted to see this for a while. I've heard nothing but good things. And my, and my wife's obsessed with, like, true crime stuff, which I can only take so much of. <laughs> well, what it seems they did was quite criminal. <laughs> I want to transition to a, a, a very recent movie release that I want to talk about quick. And that is one that's pretty divisive, actually. You either seem to, to love it or hate it. And it will only be people that's like kind of kind of in the middle. And that's The Green Knight. It is a adaptation of a very old King Arthur fairy tale type thing about a knight who is playing it. He's not really a knight. He becomes a knight. But he's a knight in King Arthur's court who does this game that's set by his 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 mom who's Morgan Le Fay, he's Morgan Le Fay's son. That 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 that's a big deal if you know anything about King Arthur. Um he needs to go on this quest that was started by him playing a game with 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 a titular, titular green knight. And it's not as simple as that. It's not your simple medieval quest movie. There's not a lot of swashbuckling or sword play. It's pretty moody. It's it's pretty weird and strange. And sometimes it's lots of fun. Other times it's it's pretty boring and kind of lame. I can understand why it's so divisive, just because it, it's it's very kind of slow and pretentious. Best way I can, I can describe it is a medieval revenant, but without the cool action scenes. So boring movie. <laughs> 
It's pretty boring, but Dev Patel's acting is as good as always. Ralph Ineson as the Tiller Green Knight is awesome. I love Ralph Ineson. I'm glad he's finally getting some 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 bigger meteor roles and 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 some credit for how good he he really is. But that said, the movie's pretty long. It's pretty slow. It's dark. Big warning if you want to see this movie. See it at the nicest theater that you possibly can, because if you don't, won't be able to actually see it. The movie is this that dark that poor projectors just can't do the movie justice and it has alex's favorite new movie trend of characters who whisper dialogue that you miss a bunch of shit yeah yeah can i go on my my whisper dialogue right now Sure, okay, because yeah, it's funny how the a lot of people who like will become attached to the whisper dialogue are the people who c- complain and talk about quote old movie talk where like you know the, there's like louder speech like and call that over dramatic or something. How is that any different? How is that any different to whisper? In fact, it's worse because you can't fucking hear it. <laughs> like at least you can fucking hear when people stage act on screen. Like it's edgy. It's edgy. Yeah, it's like that. It's over dramatic. They're both. It's two sides of being over dramatic and i mean the old, i mean the whole old movie talk thing is mostly a myth it's only a few ones that actually do that excessively but like anything with charlton I, heston what anything with charlton heston hey hey <laughs> you haven't seen ben hur <laughs> but yeah i just think like it's a it's a trend that that needs to die and if anything like more like actual weight to dialogue is needed at this point like there's a correction that needs to go the other way well the whisper thing really hurts this movie because this is one of the most convoluted movies i've ever seen it's too convoluted it doesn't even tell you that king arthur is king arthur that merlin's merlin that all this other stuff it doesn't tell you who characters are um i love a good puzzle movie but i have to have some sort of thread to to hold on to and this movie lacks that it's trying to be more like a surrealist experience an actual story and and it hurts it i get what people don't like it it's confusing and and doesn't really give you a lot to hold on to yeah and that's i feel like that's always like a thin line like two examples just like off the top of my head are ones that are more surrealist but have that through line i mean like i'm one of the most famous movies ever 2001 has the monolith right there's that anchor the whole time so like the stories don't direct you don't see how they directly relate until the end and it's very surreal but like there's that anchor to it and another a24 movie the lighthouse gets very weird but there's always that anchor of just the fact that it's those two in conflict with each other. I don't think Lighthouse is A24. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, I, I, I think... I think he 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 left a twenty four for that one. He did he did after the lighthouse. Cause I cause 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 I cause no lighthouse is a twenty four. Yeah, it is. Oh, it is. I, okay, it is. The Northman I, I was too, the Northman is like too expensive. <laughs> the Northman is like an epic. Well, <laughs> so Green, he Green, left. Green Knight shows a twenty four is trying to go bigger. Yeah, they're trying to go bigger in their way. And I'm not sure they're going to be successful with it. However, that does lead me, Alex. You can start sharpening your knife now. <laughs> Tune in, tune How much Charlie want to get me in today? <laughs> to, to, to my big A24 point, where I'm concerned, I'm concerned that A24 is stylistically becoming as stagnant as the MCU. I'm very concerned with movies I've seen with them that they're getting into this particular style and rut that they aren't coming out of, especially with their horror movies. They all have the same aspect ratio, same kind of soundtrack, whisper dialogue. They're directed the same. They have the same composition. Like, the movies are looking very similar in the way people talk about the MCU movies. I don't think they're at that point yet, but I'm genuinely concerned that 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 
they that they found their rut, they found their niche, and they're sticking to it. I my counter is because there are like certain variations in it, like different films that are different stylistically, like The Lighthouse or like you know Uncut Gems. Yeah, I'm not saying that they all are, but a lot I, of their bigger ones seem to fit this this pattern. But my point, I do agree with the problem. I don't agree with who it goes to. Is that a problem with A24, or is it a problem with independent art house type horror right now that that's say. become stagnant and too similar, and that that needs kind of like a, a bit of a push. Like you know, it's not like a straight horror, but the way like Get Out kind of ignited like some more theme driven horror, but now it's become a little bit stagnant. It probably needs like that push again. Well, it looks like everyone's trying to be the witch, right? Or you get the ones that are trying to be the Blumhouse ones, yeah. and like those two are very clear, and like they're becoming the ones they're putting out are becoming kind of samey. Mm-hmm. And it's more, I think, a problem with like the independent horror scene that maybe needs a bit of a jolt. I mean, that the, the other A24 coming out, was it Lamb? Yeah, like that's also very similar. <laughs> yeah, like, like it looks like it's shot like, the same the same exact way as something like Hereditary or or The Witch or Midsummer or any of those. Yeah, so I, th- I, I think it's like the scene. It's, and even outside of A24, like if you look at like stuff that's playing in festivals, it's like, wow, that looks super similar too. Like I think we need a little bit of a, a little bit of a spark here, guys. <laughs> I'll give Robert Eggers credit. That guy has range. But sorry, film nerds. Ari Aster does not. <laughs> Ooh, he filmed it in the day. Visionary. Ooh, he's seen, ooh, he's seen the Wicker Man. <laughs> <laughs> I too have seen other movies. <laughs> Robert Eggers. I like can't. even you look at like the insi- like. There's also the the third style of horror right now, like the in, the uh, Insidious. What's the other one? Uh, oh, the Conjuring. Uh, like that. Yeah, 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 Insidious, Conjuring, um, Annabelle. That shit. <laughs> right, and it's like where's like the new thing? Because like a few years ago, we got this huge influx of really great horror, like the explosion. I mean, Get Out wasn't the first one, but that was the one that I think like kind of caused the explosion because the witch was also before that um, horror always kind of has these ups and downs though you have a really good one and then all of a sudden everyone will try to copy that and their lesser versions and then someone will come up with something new right the the film explosion what kind of indie horror get out kind of redefined hollywood horror that's true but green that's a good movie i do recommend it um it if you like stuff like that, if you like slow burn, traditional classical fantasy, I think you'll have a good time. If you don't, don't watch it at all. But from that point of view, it is really good. I did give A24 credit, though, when someone asked if they would sell to, to, to a bigger studio, and their response was yes for $6 billion. <laughs> I gotta give them credit where credit is due. That, that's fucking hilarious. Let's move on to the big film that came out that everyone's talking about for both good and bad reasons. James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Before what I get, are we? Some kind of suicide squad? That's what I want to get into because the question I get from people about this movie, they always ask me, the first question they ask me is, how does it compare to the David Ayer one? <laughs> Night and Which, fucking day. Well, well, like, not doesn't not, doesn't take much to be better than David Ayer's Suicide Squad movie. The, the movie is terrible. It's not necessarily David Ayer's fault. Um, he probably feels like a chump now, considering Warner Brothers destroyed his movie and then let James Gunn have full creative freedom. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> 
But that movie is one of the worst of the DCEU. Which is really saying a lot. Really saying a lot. <laughs> it does it does way too much with way too little. Um, and, and I think, to me, shows David Ayer's weaknesses as a, as a filmmaker. Apart from the studio changes. Okay, I'm sorry, Ayer cut people. I'm not sorry. The Ayer cut's not going to be any better. How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not going to be any better. There's a reason reason why that Warner Brothers wanted to redo it well, and because and, and, again it's this fallacy right that, that the studio is always wrong and look no and further than the Justice League cut that wasn't any better than the theatrical Justice League no it, it some people think it was I certainly don't but it was certainly longer think, yeah it's certainly longer and it's certainly more of a Zack Snyder movie than the Joss <laughs> Whedon movie but it doesn't necessarily mean, it, mean it's better I mean Suicide Squad tonally was all over the fucking place. This one had a very consistent tone. It, it did. It, it didn't have Joker shoehorned in. <laughs> for, for no fucking hot topic Joker. <laughs> shoved in for... Because no, I'm all messed up, you know? For no good reason. I mean, th- this movie is for all, all intents and purposes. It was the Suicide Squad movie that everyone wanted the David Ayer one to, to, to be. It's fucking hilarious. It's hard R. It's violent. It's gory. It's It's great. what you want. You're these are villains who want to see them do horrible shit. And he embraced the comics in the sense of this should be the C-list villains. This should be the people that you've never Talk heard of. All the, <laughs> all the weirdos and losers. Um, and they should be teaming up and going on dangerous missions where most of them don't make it back. That's what the comics did. And it's something that David Ayrman just didn't understand. No, because they put basically all characters that they didn't want to die, other than Slipknot. And and, and, and Human Torch, or whatever his name is. El Diablo, I think it was. I think you're right. Now, we're probably going to get into spoilers with this movie. There, there's not a ton to be spoiled with it, but there are some big moments that you might not want to hear, so this is your final warning. Okay, so right, right away, this movie kills off half the cast. <laughs> like I knew, you could feel that coming too. Like you know the fact that they brought back like Captain Boomerang and stuff. Like oh they're all gonna die, which sucks because out of all the roles I've ever seen Jai Courtney really in, I always loved him as Captain Boomerang. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like again, he's like, really good at that role. No, he's like not a bad actor. He really should have gotten a different agent. Uh, but you know, problem he is, can be good in like the right role. The problem that's the problem. Everyone pushes him to be the lead. He's a lot better as a side character. He's actually a really good character actor. He actually yeah, has a Spart- lot of... Spartacus, he was a great supporting character. This, he, you know, Captain Boomerang, he's a good fit. Problem is, they he threw had, him in Die Hard and uh, Terminator, and it was like, hey, be our lead. He's our, he's your new superstar guy. <laughs> well, that, it's because he has personality, but he cannot... It doesn't have the charm to pull off the generic white dude protagonist. Yeah. But... I mean, he, 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 he dies pretty early on, which you kind of figured. I figured that whole team was going to die. I wish we would have got a little bit more with them. I agree. Just like one more mission. Like, yeah, I mean, get like, them farther I mean, the than just on that beach. 
I wish we got to I'm actually see them use Michael their powers. Yeah, like I'm always good for more Michael Rooker. So I was a little sad when he died. Same with, I mean, Captain Boomerang, just because I'm like, oh, I want to see him as Captain Boomerang in an actual good movie. And then I mean, the Weasel. I guess they got they got their money's worth from the Weasel joke if you count the the credits. <laughs> Which I mean, that all of the stuff with him killed me. Like you know, I expected them to die. I didn't expect him to drown. drown. That was that, that was, that was really good. <laughs> Did anyone yeah, think to ask if the weasel could swim? He, he's a, he's a good guy. Well, he's not a guy. He killed twenty seven children. <laughs> <laughs> Is that thing a dog? Speaking of that, it was nice that they brought uh, Joel K- Kinnaman Kinnaman back as uh, Rick Flag. Actually killed it. Yeah, he actually got to really do something this movie compared to the last one. Because he got he got good dialogue. Um, he, he, he he the character actually had a role. Actually was there to do something other than be angry leader guy. Why man with all these villains kind of person. I will kill yeah, you they, if they you get in the way. Which really they did with that, one of the best parts of the movie, I think, is that like all of the characters are like well rounded. Like they they all have like depth to them, which again is something I feel like. Like the DC EU ones have like tried like they think that giving you more information about them gives them depth but it doesn't this like gives them like conflicting emotions and like reasons for thing like they have actual depth to them even the bit characters like Michael Rooker's yeah have surprising amounts of because Michael Rooker is the token character that Amanda Waller who is fucking awesome in this movie yeah has, has to kill <laughs> except for one part that she's willing to kill people that 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 disobey orders. Yeah, I like that. I mean, they made her completely ruthless in this movie. Like, she was scary. <laughs> she was Amanda Waller. That's like, what she right. is. That, I mean, exactly. They actually um, made um, her who she her. was. Also, I have to before we move on to other parts of the movie, I have to bring up Nathan Fillion's TDK. It was one of the funniest <laughs> parts of the movie. The detachable kid. <laughs> His version of arm fall off boy, who just has the floaty arms of that lightly. Slapping people, and then when they're shooting the arms, and he's just like on the ground flailing. I mean, everyone on this movie was clearly having a massive blast. You got javelin. That was fun. Yeah, I always take some flula aboard. I wish we had this. See, I wish we could see javelin do something. Yeah, other than go to throw the javelin and get fucking gunned down. Okay, the other ones got like a little bit. Like the one woman got to like bring the helicopter down. It just also kills her or like. Like, you know, yeah, it dies in the everybody flame. did something a little bit before they die, except well, for Weasel. Because yeah, Weasel drowns right away. Apple <laughs> gets gunned down. That's why it's like, he I wish we would have got, like, we would have got farther into the island with them, because then we could have seen them die off more slowly. Like, yeah, two yeah, here, two there. Then the final, would, everyone dies. I would have loved to have seen them have like a sequence where like they're being like stealthy and they're, in, and they're kind of using their powers like stealthily, and they get into like and then they get into like an actual battle and they just get fucking destroyed. Mm-hmm. But then we get to the main Suicide Squad team, which which is an issue I have with the movie movie, movie, movie too. I like that it was non-linear. I don't like how they did mm-hmm. not linear stuff. It's super choppy. It doesn't flow 
well. Yeah, it's the, distracting. The pacing was awful like, aha, at times. But, it's, but yeah, it really wrecks it. I would say for the open, it worked. I liked that. Like, because you get the original team that like kind of feels like they're supposed to be important and then they get slaughtered and it's like, oh, here's what was actually happening. When it does it at the end, it completely ruins that moment. Yeah, yeah, it ruins the tension. It yeah, because you know something's going to happen and they take you all the way back for like 10 minutes. And I think, does it do it any other times? Those it does are the it two a couple I, times I in the middle remember. too, like when Harley's off doing her thing. Oh, yeah, it's like, oh, meanwhile, Harley, which also I hate the, like, this was, I mean, the Snyder Cut did this too, but the whole, like, chapters thing, you don't have to fucking tell me where we are structurally, just show me the movie. I don't need title cards on the screen or whatever. I mean, I like that the Warner Brothers Pictures Presents was made of Michael Rooker's blood. That was, <laughs> yeah, that was cool. <laughs> but, yeah, that, yeah, structurally to me, this movie doesn't really work. No. The beginning that, works with it, but the rest, it kind of, you get disjointed and it does, it just doesn't flow right. It, it kills tension. That said, the main team group is fucking awesome. Yeah, I loved every character in the main group. Like, in that driver guy who just hangs around. I, like, I kept noticing that. I'm like, that's, who is that? Wait, that's the, that's the guy who drives the truck. Oh, <laughs> what was his name? Sorry, when O, didn't it? It starts uh, with an no. It started with an M. Yeah, Mitchell. No, it was, was a, it was a lot late, way more than that. Well, let, let me let me let me find it here. And like Harley thought that was Idrisella's name. <laughs> and, what, and Polka Dot Man is the only one who cared about him. That's so that's so strange to me that we have a Harley we 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 we, we, have, we have a movie where Harley Quinn is the least interesting character. It's yeah, and it, what's funny is that like she's written like exactly how Harley Quinn should be written. Like they really nailed that but she almost felt like tacked on at the same time his name was it milton seemed, it seemed like oh, milton, milton. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like she was forced to be in by a studio mandate because she was mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the funny thing like it feels like this movie has a like besides the weird pacing decisions they do the other problem i had is that like it does feel like it was a little too long like by the end i was like a little bit like the bit as old as that if that makes sense and i think like as well as they wrote Harley, it's like it almost feels like she's not supposed to be here because yeah. she doesn't yeah, join them until well, the very her end. Her entire like, like love, falling in love with the dictator dude was like, like, can we just move on? Let's go. I know she's gonna kill him. And it actually, it actually has zero effect on the plot whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't affect the story at all. No, it, no, it doesn't. And, and Harley's like breaking people's arms and shit. Like she doesn't like fight like Harley Quinn. Also, I'm kind of disappointed we did not get her in her first outfit very much very long which is a great outfit yeah i know instead we throw yeah, in a no, dress i was like I, I i was i forgot what i said but it was i it was like something interesting and like it was fairly harley quinn it was like live free and die clown i think or something yeah that was it <clears throat> yeah like like it was a great costume because finally she's like doing it doing a bit where she's not like in like underwear as like her battle garb <laughs> Or in a court gesture outfit. Yeah, like those, those, those are a damn good outfit. And she's like very, it wasn't straight from Hot Topic. And she's in a dress for the rest of the movie. <laughs> but that said, uh, Idris Elba's Bloodsport is a great replacement for Will Smith's Deadshot. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I love the armor stuff that he just kind of takes off and makes different that weapons. That mask is sick. That too. That I, I wish he kept it on more. <laughs> I know. I, 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 like, I, I got it. You got to see my face. Yeah, you got to see my face. I know, but the, like you said. Was- 
The helmet was awesome. Mm. Well, and, and the way he used the weapons was so cool. I, I said Joe Kimmins' red brick flag was great finally. Um, polka dot man, fucking <laughs> awesome. Love that. Especially I mean, when they cut like him like seeing everybody as his mom. Uh, I, <laughs> that was really funny. Or when he got to j- where they make Starro his mom. That's your mother! <laughs> Um, but like shockingly, the character I thought I was gonna hate the most, who was Ratcatcher Two, actually was like, like the, the emotional core of the movie. <laughs> I know that was really surprising to me. Like, and just to her, the one rat that was always around. Sebastian, <laughs> like, she was, she was a great character. Also, yeah, the I fact that uh, Idri- uh, Bloodsport was terrified of rats. He's just like he he did a great job of just being like trying to keep it together, but yet also terrified. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, like the 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 first joke with her was like, "Oh, millennials nap, ha ha ha." But then, like, it it turns out, yeah, she's like an amazing character almost right away. Like, they very quickly make her likable. Well, that's because yeah, she tries to befriend. She befriends King Shark after she he tries that's to right. eat her. Who who is one of the right. two truly steal scene stealing characters of the movie? Oh, I loved. Honestly, I would have loved if he was in it even more. Like, I would have loved even more King Shark. Then <laughs> <laughs> cut to him when they're all in the bar and he's just sitting alone in the truck. I was half expecting him to walk into the bar at some point. Can you get fake mustache? I don't think that'll work. <laughs> Big fake mustache. And we, we, do, we, do we have to kill you? Because there's, there's oh, this no. giant shark man with a mustache following us. <laughs> Fuck! Or like when they're all planning explosives and he makes the one look like uh, some peacemaker. <laughs> yeah! How my wife described him as a giant toddler. That's essentially what he is. Yeah. So like, funny. He even he has, has temper that, tantrums. Like he ha- he has that depth though. Still, like when he's in the aquarium, he sees the like the weird alien squid things. You were dumb friends. <laughs> <laughs> but we gotta give credit. Where credit we gotta give credit where credit's due. Well, I don't think the the, the mix of mocap with with a different voice actor worked as well as say Rocket raccoon in guardians of the galaxy um stallone i cannot imagine going to sylvester stallone and, and asking him of all people to say some of the lines that king shark has to say well you think about it had he not been in guardians of the galaxy too i mean maybe him and gun had a good conversation about stuff and that's when he's like oh i could ask him to do this like, like here's yeah. Mr. Sloan say shit like nom nom, like <laughs> <laughs> or bird, bird, bird. And now we stay off the com. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, like, dude probably spent like one day in the recording studio and just absolutely kills it. <laughs> Cause he's having fun, right? Like he, like he's he's having a blast. Like I, I thought initially, initially that the Taika was gonna be voicing King Shark, and they were gonna go for like the Harley Quinn show type friendly. Samoan King Shark, mm-hmm. but instead they went the complete opposite direction, and it's fucking hilarious. Completely forgot that Tycho was in this. Yeah, he's the yeah, rat guy. I was like, I didn't even notice that the first time he was on screen, and then like five minutes later, I thought, wait, was that Tycho? <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, he's also perfect for Rat Catcher too. I also have to give credit where credit is due. I never thought he'd be a good actor, but John Cena as Peacemaker. <laughs> Peace is the ultimate thing. I don't care how many women, children, or men I have to kill to get that. 
like 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 the fact that he basically earned himself his own TV show by just being that good in the role, and he is great in that role. Yeah, he's excellent, and like both parts of it. Like obviously, his you know the deadpan comedy was really good, but then when it turns serious and he like betrays them, he's also very good in that part. See, that was the surprising part. He's he's always been good at the comedy part. It was. He was actually really good with the serious stuff, too, so that was very cool to see. You can see the, the conflict in his brain of, of his values versus morals. <laughs> I love when him and uh, Bloodsport are basically going through that camp that you think is the enemy, basically <laughs> trying to one-up each other. That was really I was thinking halfway through, like, does anyone here even have a gun? And then there's, like, one person with a gun, and I'm like, something's up here. Like, <laughs> well, after just, like, they killed the... people who are, like, casually strolling around. I'm like, something up here <laughs> after they killed the woman like doing laundry i'm like wait a minute <laughs> well, i lost it at that one scene where they did do 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 in the bed and peacemaker without even looking at him just goes stab 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 <laughs> just casually walking by well the other thing about that whole scene is just like I'm like does no one hear these other people dying because like this guy was on lit on fire screaming but no one else is moving around and the characters really show that james gunn to me kind of understood what the suicide squad should be they're all horrible deranged people but they are also people and they have depth to them and you can attach to it well like there's the worst of the worst they're doing this so that they get time off their sentence sadly if there was one character i wish could have gotten more it's my man peter capaldi as the thinker I I knew you were gonna say that. I honestly felt I felt like I mean personally anyway like he was in it like enough for me like he added a lot to it and I liked all of his scenes. I think he added story importance, but what I think he was missing was that Peter Capaldi comedic energy that I know he has. I mean, dude was Malcolm Tucker. Yeah. I, I mean, I I don't think he was treated badly at all. No. I, I think his character worked in the story. <laughs> oh, I see. You, I'm with the rookies here <laughs> as they're trying to sneak him out the bar. But they but they also, I mean, they also used, had him there so they could put in Starro, who I'm so fucking happy that we got Starro in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it was very well done. And they, and they gave Starro depth. Starro doesn't have depth in the comics. Yeah, he's just, yeah like his, the last thing he says is that he would have been happy just floating, right? Yeah. <laughs> when the comics... Like, beat his eye out. When it, when it, when it, in the comics, his straight up whole thing is evil star man that wants to take over planets. That's one of those things, like, the power of, like, literally one line of dialogue. It's like, let's literally just add one line of dialogue as the last thing he says, and, like, that adds so much to the character, just doing that. Like, it doesn't always have to be super complicated. You don't have to show us a 15-minute scene of their backstory. You can literally do it with one line. He violated me. Well, they also showed it when you walk in and you see all those people with the starfish on their face, and they're like, he tortured us. Yeah. Well, like, I, I got so high up. I could tell my wife was kind of annoyed. Just because, like, it's like Starro, like, because I was that dude. <laughs> I was that dude. Everyone's like, "What the fuck is a Starro?" Like, oh my god, Starro! <laughs> oh my god, it's Polka Dot Man! Like, like that. That's shit. Now I know of, I know of Polka Dot Man. Is his? He's not actually like. Is he actually like that in the comics where it's like a disease? No, no, he just throws polka dots. I didn't think so. Yeah, literally, saw, like I did, he added all that because apparently James Gunn literally looked up who is the lamest DC character. Yeah, polka. And that's how he found Polka Dot Man and used him. <laughs> I, I, I kind of figured it was kind of... Yeah, he, cal- he's on the also. Yeah, it was funny. I was like, oh, Calendar Man. 
How come you're not fat like in the Arkham games? <laughs> hey, James Gunn's gotta, 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 gotta throw Sean Gunn in there somewhere. Well, he's already the weasel. He has to be able to see his face. Now, the one thing I'm not sure about if James Gunn was successful at with this movie either is that he wanted this to be like a, a 70s action movie. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I knew that was gonna be bullshit. <laughs> well, he has some of like the tone stuff though, especially with the end, with like the betrayal shit and everything going to hell and everyone dying that's pretty 70s stylistically it's not at all no like imagine if this movie had like classic 70s film grain to it oh my god yeah especially like the town scenes would have looked really good yeah it looked amazing yeah i don't remember any flowers popping up in seven in like 70s war movies which that was i guess i'll talk about this now like some of the stylistic stuff was like perfect personally some of it specifically that sequence with the flowers and stuff like i don't see what that ads you know what i mean like some of the stylistic flourishes to me didn't add anything and actually distract from it because i was really enjoying the action sequence until that and I think then it's like okay now you've just done this to whatever i think that's basically to show harley's insane and she's in her element but at the yeah, same but time I'm like, i kind of agree with alex <laughs> it no. seems super for it it seems unnecessary when she's brutally beating people. No, I agree. I, I didn't care for it either. I'm just saying I think that's what Because didn't they do that? Because I don't remember this fucking movie, even though I've seen it in uh, <laughs> the Harley Quinn movie, too. Oh, I don't remember that either. I've seen the movie. I know. I kind of blacked oh, out. You guys have seen Birds of Prey, and I haven't. Honestly, I forgot Birds of Prey was even a thing. Like what? what, what I did what, until just now, too. <laughs> and and so, did, so did this movie, which which I think upsets Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie honestly seems like the only one who's not having that great of a time. I don't know about that. I, I, I mean, she gave a good performance, so I don't know. Yeah, but I, I think still, she, from recent interviews, I think she says she's basically done as Harley. I mean, she hasn't really had that great of a run. She had her starring vehicle that she had like a direct role in the production of, and she fucking tanked. <laughs> well, again, um, that, that movie's rated R, and it doesn't need to be. This movie's rated R. And I'm deserves it. Glad it is. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the, I the also, only. This might be a hot take. Maybe not with this group, maybe with other people. I never understood why Margot Robbie was cast as Harley Quinn. Like, even in this movie, like, she's good, but that accent and that voice just sounds so fake. Yeah. It doesn't sound genuine. She, Much like Arlene Sorkin or Tara Strong. I, I think is she had the look and she had the physical means to do all the stunts and everything, because she's pretty young, I believe. Yeah, she, but, yeah, she is. But she couldn't, I mean, that's the only thing she really can't pull off is the voice and like the mannerisms too like birds of prey she basically just played harley quinn as female deadpool see but they've also done that they've done that in the comics and i i was i've never been a fan of the basically harley quinn is deadpool in the comics i mean it's good sometimes but it gets annoying i felt like person i felt like she was a good fit for the character in this movie like elsewhere i can see the argument but at least for me even though again she, she ironically she feels a little bit tacked on in this movie like i felt like she was very good in the role this time and like fit the character the, this was the movie where i felt like harley where mark robbie fully actually earned harley quinn i still think that she was overshadowed by everyone else yeah especially the scene where they go to rescue her and she's like what are you guys doing well i could go back inside 
<laughs> See, that's something too. That, uh, that's like, basically a me, Harley Quinn moment. But to me, Margot Robbie was a Harley Quinn when she's able to bounce off the other actors. Yeah. When she's by herself or or with the birds of like prey. with the Jet general guy, I don't think she's really able to to truly be the character. I do like that James Gunn seems to understand the character better than other adaptations have. In that she's like an Olympic level gymnast. I'm pretty sure in the comics. Yeah. So so she is athletic and she can fight and do crazy shit like with her body in terms of athleticism and the movie actually embraces it for once instead of just she has a back she's crazy or a <laughs> hammer bonk yeah, I mean that's basically what the other movies are is that's what is this she movie, uses the, a bat and hammer and guns because she's a lunatic and this actually gives her like like, yeah, like, gives her, like, like shit. physical shit to do well like even in the animated series where she was first introduced she was basically an acrobat and could do all that stuff so I'm glad that James Gunn I mean first of all I'm shocked I didn't think this movie was, was, was going to get made I thought James Gunn was going to be attached to this because he was fired from Guardians they're, they're, they're going to give him Guardians back and he was going to pull a Taika Waititi with Akira and just walk but he was committed to this and he still is because he's doing the Peacemaker TV show I think he stayed on because they basically gave him carte blanche to kill anybody on the squad. Hey, can like we he make- got control and like when he was dumped, like they were right there to be like, do you want to do this and get full control? So like there's a bit of like loyalty. I mean, the rumors now is that DC is doing that again with Scarlett Johansson. The, the, the DC has already been like, hey, coming in for the scraps. I'm sure Scarlett's probably done with comic book movies. Oh, I'm Actually, sure. I think she might be done with big budget movies, period. Like, she doesn't need the money. No, she, she doesn't mo- need the exposure. Well, she can do whatever she wants. She might need the money now because she, she's, she's unless she wins this lawsuit, she didn't make nearly as much as Black, Black Widow as she wanted to. Well, but she's been, like, the highest paid actress or, like, top five highest paid actresses for how many years in a row? Like, she's got money. Which is mostly because of the, 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 the Disney money. Right. So, I mean, she, and, yeah, they'll probably settle or something, so. Well, they're going to have to. Maybe she'll if be not, back. You not, that'll get interesting. Interesting. She'll, that, she'll get that Frank Darabont money. <laughs> Warner did the right thing because I think James Gunn was probably a lawsuit risk for this movie because 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 I'm, I'm sure he had a pretty big back end deal with with this movie. Same same with Denis Villeneuve and some of the other big directors that had films coming out this year that got moved to Max. Yeah, that when they renegotiated that last year, that was a very good move. They avoided all of this mess that's going to hit all of these other companies because well, they renegotiated. Well, they you know they. they because the lawsuit was coming because well, a lot of people don't know about the Warner HBO Max deal was that HBO Max technically paid Warner for each movie based on an estimation that War- that Warner gave for how much the movies would be worth would, would, would make so so money technically changed hands to make this which pissed off people like James Gunn that had back end deals so so they successfully renegotiated it and, and avoided like you said Alex this massive shitstorm that's about to, to to fucking eat Disney whole if they if they don't take care of this quickly yeah I mean, the greatest hope now is that Scarlett Johansson, Emily Blunt, Emma Stone, and some of the others that have been threatening to sue don't fucking team up. Obliterate <laughs> <laughs> Disney, like because they can probably do that. They could maybe get some sort of class action type thing going. Yeah, oh it'd man, be, it'd be nice to see Disney get taken down a peg. I mean, they'll settle for sure. This this won't go to trial. Most likely. After Freight Darabot, they're not going to fucking trial. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, Frank Darabont, friend of the show, after the email. <laughs> His emails have been read here. Feel yeah. free to send us some so we can read them. Yeah, or come on, you can read them out loud. Yeah, Frank Darabont, open invitation, come on the show. <laughs> we can discuss some emails. Show us your ways. Frank, Frank, uh, I am the writer's room Darabont. You, 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 you are welcome at, 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 at any point in time. Also, Sylvester Stallone, anyone else involved with Suicide Squad, come on the show. <laughs> What do we do? I don't fucking know, but we interview him. I do love though, which which to me, which is really strange about this movie, is that it seems like James Gunn is kind of trolling the OG movie a little bit too with this. Yeah, like with the opening, especially like yeah, with the opening, with the structure of it. He's basically saying, "I'm gonna do what the, what the other movie did, but I'm gonna do it better." The only thing I really did not in, care for in this one was the Amanda Waller team. Yeah, I think they're kind of annoying. I would, I especially, uh, I, I don't know if it was just me, but I, I hated how they were flaunting all the money. On the on the bets they were making, I was just like, okay. Okay, I did like that scene a lot. I see. Yeah, I thought that was funny too. <laughs> maybe to maybe that, it was just too over the top for me. I would have liked it more had they like people gotten angry and just was like kind of passing money along. Not, but but see, to me that establishes that this is a constant occurrence. Yeah, dude, we would do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> we would do that. Like I said, I, was, I think it was just maybe I don't know how they acted. I don't know, but I that, mean, I I, I that I did that. not like the one chick. Fucking knocking out Amanda Waller. That was kind of random and weird. I was like, yeah, I was I, hoping. I, feel, I feel like they did. I was hoping they'd end with her blowing up all their heads. See, like that, they needed a way to get rid of her so that they could continue and like not have her do that. It was like she hit her on the head with a golf club and she's fine later. Like okay, but like see, I, had, but they, I don't know how else they would do it. But they they needed some way to have her not blow up every character. They did have a way, but then they destroyed the tower and then they all of a sudden they had signal again. <laughs> no, what I mean to have like the team help them out or whatever or like oh honestly they perhaps, really need the well, team well, they, he had the drive they could have done something with that but that's not issue that this movie kind of had was that there's some really tense moments that are killed by the structure of it or other random events such as Peacemaker about to kill Ratcatcher which mm-hmm. is killed which is killed by a time jump that basically resets the hype then you build up to that again and it's not even about him about to kill her it's about them shooting each other you know what I mean it's like yeah. you lose that whole thing they built up anyway it changed Changes the whole meaning of the confrontation. Yeah, because and like that whole time I was just thinking, where the hell is Idris Elba? Because they wanted he wanted to do the clever like, oh, let's go back again thing. But like they should have just cut back and forth. Because I'm just thinking the whole time it's just in the front of my mind, like where is literally like the lead of this movie? <laughs> like, you knew he was coming. I mean, I mean, Idris Elba falling down that tower floor by floor was really funny. Now imagine, <laughs> now imagine if you have a scene where where Peacemaker is about to shoot like. You know, and you do like the, 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 the classic slow buildup, but as we do the slow buildup, you, 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 you cut back to him falling down the tower, going boom, 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 boom. Like oh, yeah, as we're like, doing it's it, like shaking him as he's holding the gun. So he's like, "What the fuck is that?" You know, and you just like have this thing above him, like crashing down. I thought it was gonna fall on top of him, <laughs> but instead, you. But instead, but he, he has to live. He does what James Gunn does, which is the path. I see. I, I don't think he was supposed to live until they decided to do the show, yeah. right? Because I. I don't even get how he survived what he survived. It's like his neck is just gushing, and then later it's like, hey, he's alive. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the push because he was a good character. The push scene that establishes the show was clearly filmed way after the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even look like the movie. It looks like a show. And his leg is hurt somehow. <laughs> like, when did his leg get hurt? Where's his neck? 
<laughs> and it was gushing. But, yeah, I, one other, like, I guess minor thing, like, the action early on, this might just be me, the action early on was really good, and there's some good action stuff, so like you said, fighting Starro. I do feel like in the second half of the movie, like, besides, like, the first part of the Harley Quinn scene before they did the stupid flower part, but, like, the action kind of lost, like, variety or, like, push to it. Like, I felt like the action started to have less creativity and oomph to it, and it's like, oh, we're running from this thing that's collapsing behind us five different times or like that kind of stuff. It did feel more g- g- generic, like generic superhero action. Yeah, like it lost like ways to make like the, the fact that it's hard are interesting. It's like eventually it kind of runs out of the brutal ways to kill somebody and then it's like, oh, we're just going to do this one again. We're just gonna s- until the star, until the Starro thing. That was great. Where we have rats swimming in the eye of a giant starfish. Oh, oh that was so nasty. Like I did not expect her to just go like straight through into like this watery jello-y thing. I'm like, that's nasty. Now to wrap up kind of and get to the end of this, James Gunn's made a lot of superhero movies recently. Where do you think that this fits in with, with cause that's the, 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 the obvious comparison, right? Apart from this and the David Ayer Suicide Squad movie, how does this one compare to the Guardians of the Galaxy movies? Mm-hmm. I mean, Put it right around. I put it right around um, Guardians Two, where it's it's got got good moments, but it's also got pacing issues and some bad moments, in my opinion. I think right now I put it slightly above Guardians Two, but certainly below Guardians One. Guardians One is a great movie. Yeah, like like it's it's truly solid. That's like a top yeah. ten MCU movie. Yeah, see, for me, I guess I have the the spicier take or something unexpected because of, you know, I'm the lowest on the MCU. But like to me, honestly, like for sure, the first Guardians is probably my favorite MCU movie. And the two, I don't think is very far behind it. Like two, I'm significantly higher on than both of you. So to me, this is actually it's a very good movie. But to me, it's actually significantly below both of those two. Interesting. Because I think that they just have like story wise, they're a bit more sound and like the heart to it. Not that this doesn't have heart to it, but those have even more. And I think the action in those movies like doesn't grow as stale by the end. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Now, next question. Do you guys want more Suicide Squad movies if they keep up with this? I'm down for it. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'd watch the John Cena thing. <laughs> I, I was going to ask that question. I, I certainly am. When's the Weasel spinoff? <laughs> Where he just now, takes over the island. <laughs> now, follow-up question. Do you think James Gunn will do more Suicide Squad stuff? Nah. Maybe he, one more. He, he's talked about doing doing like a series of TV show spinoffs instead of a proper third movie. Oh, Which I can see that. Like, he starts them, and then other people take over. I feel like both parties would be good with that. I feel like Suicide Squad would lend itself good to a TV show. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, like he wants to do, like, a Peacemaker show. Especially then you could also switch up the cast quite a bit. Well, that that's what I think he he wants to do. I think he, I think he believes, and he's right, that every Suicide Squad movie should have a completely different cast, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the first cast should be almost wiped out. But I just... I feel like James Gunn's going to do Guardians 3 and he's probably going to probably, I think, stop doing a lot of the, the, the big budget stuff or at least take a break from it. Yeah, I wonder, like, because that's like all, all I've seen him do. I'm like, I wonder what, like, a um, small scale James Gunn movie would even look like. But he's written some smaller ones in the time being, like Belko Experiment and Brightburn. 
but he hasn't had the time to like direct them and make them again. Like like his last big ones were like Super and Slither and those ones. I could see him wanting to go back and do something like that, especially films like the like, like Belko Experiment and Brightburn weren't that well received. But if James Gunn actually directed them instead of just writing and producing, those could have been great movies. I'd love to see him do something that's not superhero. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, he didn't he didn't write Brightburn. He he only produced it, but his brothers wrote wrote it. Yeah, but but it's still another superhero kind of thing. But but he did write Belko Experiment, which which is a very good screenplay in a poorly in a poorly made movie. Yeah, isn't that where a bunch of people are locked in a building and have to kill each other? It's basically Battle Royale mixed with, mixed with Office Space. But yeah, it's essentially but it it's a fun it's a fun dark little satire movie, but it, it needed James Gunn's touch at the helm. Much like this movie would be a lot worse if James Gunn were not even even the same screenplay if James Gunn were not directing it would have been a lot worse in the movie in my opinion. Yeah. I also would like to say they did a very good job in this movie not cutting as much and doing a lot of long takes. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I never felt like it was like cut to hell like, you know, hiding. Yeah. It was never cut it never used cuts to hide that it was actually a shitty movie. Well, they also had some very fun shots, like the shot of uh, Peacemaker and Rick Flag fighting, but you're seeing it through reflecting off the helmet. See, I, I, I was not the biggest fan of that shot. I hated that shot. Only, <laughs> only because it was so like like a lot of this movie, it didn't flow well. Mm-hmm. It's just there. If they if he if they actually cut it so that like you see the helmet fall off in the fight and then the fight continues in there, I would like it more. Instead, it's like randomly inserted into the fight. Agreed, I agree. But it's nice to see them do more interesting shots. It, it, it is yeah, cool they buried it much more. It's cool to see them actually try and and I. I think with this movie, which is weird to say about James Gunn, especially because he's done this before, is that a lot of the stuff was like a good attempt execution, not always successful. But I'll always take a good attempt over same old, same old. If the attempts were successful, this would be a much higher movie, in my opinion. Agreed. If the flashbacks and flash forwards actually flowed at all and weren't just choppy and distracting. Because it changed the complete complete pace of the game or the movie at times. If Harley Harley Quinn's story wasn't so absent and separated from everything else going on in the movie. Yeah, I was just missing that connecting piece that she, like, contributes to the mission while she's doing her thing. Because, like, it really doesn't matter which person is president by the end because there's a giant star destroying everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you're right. Because Harley Quinn's mission doesn't really do anything except keep her alive. Right. It just change the president for like five minutes. For the, for the for the general dude, but really, who cares? Right. He just gets killed anyway. Yeah. So like, like if they actually made made her have some some more purpose. It, 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 it'd be a much higher movie. Instead, now let's move on to final scores for the Suicide Squad. Um, I currently have it at four on Letterbox. I will probably lower it to three and a half very shortly from, from recording. It's a high three and a half. It's a very high three and a half. You should see this movie if you if you you can. It's we didn't talk about the fact that it's filling at the box office, um, but it is, and that shouldn't scare you from it. It's it's still a fun time. You should watch it, Justin. What, what's your what's your score? What's your thoughts? Right now, I'm somewhere between three and three and a half. Interesting. Like I, 
it was a lot of fun. Some things just didn't work for me. The pacing just kind of, it stalls at times and just kind of takes you out of it. But I definitely recommend it. It's a lot of fun. The actors play well off of each other. Alex, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of where you are, David. Like, I, I think, I, I can't really go for it. So I would say three and a half. Like, it's a very good three and a half. Would definitely recommend it as a good time. Uh, I had just, like, like I said, the parts where I lost interest towards, like, in the back half of the film or, like, that didn't quite work for me. It did stick the landing. I had a lot of fun. It's hilarious. All the characters are really good. But, like, a little more refinement would have would have pushed it up but it's still worth seeing it, it needed almost someone to tell james gunn no a couple of times i think he needs yeah. that out for a couple of his movies like guardians of galaxy 2 i think he could have heard the word no a couple of times but yeah like it's cool he's getting full creative control but there's sometimes where it's like may, may, maybe the studio is right in some things and maybe they need more notes or 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 a or a re-edit <laughs> what <laughs> sorry <laughs> the heck was that? Sneeze. I sneeze. <laughs> it's like an elephant fucking <laughs> going off. Anyway, that's our takes on a bunch of random shit and then Suicide Squad. Let, let us know what you think on social media, on Facebook and YouTube comments. We want to hear what you think. Did you like the movie? Did you, did you like any of the other stuff? Master of the Universe fans, come join the conversation. Show show Alex that this actually like means something <laughs> and isn't just me and Justin. <laughs> there are dozens oh. of us. <laughs> come, come, come help us out. But like, like always, thanks so much for listening. I'm David Yanish, uh, for and for Alex and Justin. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Idiot Block. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell to get a notification every time we drop a new episode. Also, follow us on Facebook and Letterboxd. The links are in the description. <laughs>